0: So, uh, we're going to be in John chapter 5, we're going to pick it up in verse 6, 6 through 12 is our passage, and uh, I I can't tell you how enlightening, I'm, I'm hoping that this passage is for you, how enlightening it is for me, because I believe that we suffer from something as believers. Many of us believe in God, but we do not believe God. We believe in God, but we don't believe God. And so as a result, what happens is this, is that we walk around as people who do not feel loved, even though we are loved. And what the result is, is a life that is not lived to its fullness in Christ, reaching to a point and, and, and to the level of life that John talks about, both in his gospel and also in his first epistle, First John, which is what we're in right now. An epistle is a letter, if you don't know that. We don't reach that level, and it's a little bit like this. Like, I can tell my wife that I love her But if I'm not communicating love and she doesn't feel loved, there's a sense in which sometimes she's not thriving. I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but you can see women who thrive because they have a a deeply loving relationship at home. They look like they're loved, and they act like they're loved. A lot of times in our our home, the, the arguments that my wife and I get into, because we argue... And by the way, a lack of argument in your home is not a sign of health. It's actually a sign of dysfunction a lot of times. And so what that means is there's some arguments occasionally. So if you have that as well, you, maybe you're on your way to health. I don't know. But when we get into arguments, it's, it can often be because uh, I I told my wife that I loved her when I married her and I don't know why she needs more affirmation than that, right? Like it's like, like I've told you once, you should take my word for it kind of a deal. And that's what she can feel like. And so as a result, what happens is this, is that things kind of digress and, and she doesn't feel loved. And so I can, I can see that in her. The same thing goes for, for kids, is that you can say that you love your kids, but we've all seen a kid that doesn't feel loved, We see the dysfunction in that that child. And here's the thing, is that God is not a dysfunctional father. He has shown us his love. The problem is on our end in receiving that love. The problem is on our end that we are not experiencing the love and the life that is found in Christ. And so what happens is this, is that we become ineffective, unfruitful people who are believers, and instead of really experiencing the fullness of Christ in our life, we're experiencing something that is a a, a massive counterfeit, that is filled with maybe some worship songs, that is perhaps filled with some church attendance that is perhaps filled with some Christian friends, yet never attaining to the fullness in Christ that the Apostle Paul talks about in Ephesians, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And so my question to you, and what what we are incredibly uh, excited about here at Outward Church is that one of our uh, distinctives, I would say, is this, is that we talk about uh, passion, We talk about how we wanna have a passion for God, like we wanna communicate with passion, we want our events to be full of passion, we want the things that we do in our our city to be all about passion. We wanna be people who live with passion. So my question to you is that, do you want to live with the life in Christ that brings about incredible passion, or do you want to live as somebody who is an American Christian? Do you want to live as somebody who's just experiencing American Christianity and God we trust, we're a Christian nation, those kinds of things, I vote the right way, I hang out with the right people, those kinds of things? Or do you want to be an overcomer who's not going along with the culture, who's, who is walking with Jesus, someone who's overcoming the trifecta of evil, the world, the flesh, And the devil in our lives do you want to live as an overcomer or do you want to live American Christianity and all of the lackluster that that is and if I had to guess I'd say that there's many many people who want to live that way but there's also many people who are on the fence and they've never actually taken a step of faith. They've never, they've never experienced faith. And so they're, they're, always, they're always kind of, you know, I, even if they don't admit it, they're always kind of on this edge of, do I believe that there is a God? Or, or, or am I even there? Or maybe it's just complete denial. I don't believe that there is a God. And so they find themselves in this place of maybe, kind of in and out, in and out. Do I believe uh, in God? Do I believe in a God or don't I believe in a God? I'm not sure. Perhaps they've totally wiped it out. I believe this passage is for you. I believe it is for you. If you look at the end of the last passage that we were uh, teaching on, in verse 4, it says this, For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. This is the victory that has overcome the world. What is it? It's our faith. How do we overcome the world, the flesh, the devil? It is through our faith. Who is it that, in case you didn't realize it, who is it that overcomes the world, except the one who believes, the assertion of faith again, that Jesus is the Son of God, okay? So he just said, it is faith in Jesus Christ, who is the Son of God. And so now he's gonna say, okay, let's break this down a little bit. Let me read the passage in its fullness here, and then we will come back to the top of verse six. He says, this is he, who came by water and the blood, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came by water and the blood. Not by the water only, but by water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify the Spirit, and the water, and the blood. And these three that testify agree. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God that He has borne concerning His Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony. In himself. Whoever does not believe in God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his Son. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life, whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. Now, this is an, an incredibly confusing passage if you don't understand what it's talking about. Let me break it down for you, okay? Uh, he's in a courtroom. John has come down, and he's making a federal case, and he's in a courtroom, and so he has at least three witnesses. Some say there's, there's others, but he calls out three specifically, the spirit and the water and the blood, and he is going to break down what does it mean to have faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. What does that look like? What does it mean to go from believing in God to believing God? What, is it, what does it mean to go from calling God a liar to saying that God is the truth? He communicates the truth. He is truth, and so therefore I believe him. What does that take? So he's in a courtroom, which is why you see the word testimony or testify eight times. It says testimony or testify eight times because it is talking about this is the thing that should be speaking to you. Now, why is this important? When you are in the midst of deep thought, the accusations are coming at you saying you didn't do this or you did do that. You've been engaged with this lifestyle and you know that's not a part of this. And what, what about this and what about that? The accusations, they start to come. And you know that you gave into the world, the flesh or the devil. You know that you gave into those things. And so you begin to doubt and you begin to say, how could I ever be a Christian? What, I, I mean, I, how could I ever be a Christian? I'm not overcoming. And so therefore, what's, what's happening to me is that this is just really showing that I don't know Jesus. That I don't have faith in him. So you're beginning to have this sense of, of doubt. You don't have a confidence that you have a relationship with God. You don't have a confidence that you are loved. And so what happens? You don't live like you're loved. You don't thrive like you're loved. You don't walk around with a confidence that you're loved by your heavenly father. And that that was shown to you through Jesus Christ. And in and through that, you're an overcomer who has life. You're somebody who is constantly dragging your knuckles on the ground, going, man, I'm, I'm nothing. I, I'm just not walking with God. And maybe it's not just sin per se, but it's, it is the sin of unbelief. It's just straight up unbelief. It's it's saying, God, you're a liar. You're a liar. You could never love me. You could never take me. And if you've known what I've done, God, you there, there's no way. You're a liar, God. You're a liar. So John is making a federal case, and he is saying this. He's saying, you must look at the witnesses. That are in the word here. Now, here's something you need to know. When you come to a passage of scripture and it looks really confusing and you don't understand it, that's oftentimes the passage that you really need to hear. That's often what you've been missing all along. Often. And so, what does he say? He says, This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. Now, what is the water talking about? And what is the blood talking about? And why does he say, hey, it's not just the water, it's the blood as well. So, water stands for the baptism of Jesus. Water stands for what happened when Jesus was baptized. If you were to look with me, don't, you don't need to turn there, actually. But if you were to uh, look at Matthew chapter 3 and look at uh, verse 13, it says, Then Jesus came from Galilee uh, to the Jordan to John, this is John the Baptist, different John, to be baptized by him. So Jesus, the Son of God, is coming to a human, John the Baptist, and he's coming to be baptized by him. And it says in verse 14, John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented, and when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him... And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. And do you see what Jesus said? Jesus said, I have to be baptized by you, John. Thus, it is fitting for us to fulfill all Righteousness. I have to be baptized by you because it. This is part of the uh, fulfillment of all righteousness in me. So when it says this, it says it's not that he just came by the water. It's 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 he did come by the water, and the water communicates this purification. It communicates purification it communicates this idea that Jesus comes and he's completely pure but it's more than just that he's completely pure it's that he comes in humility and he has a human person baptize him and so he's baptized and you the story that I just read to you says that the sky opened up the Spirit of God descends on him like a dove so he has the Spirit of God and then it's god the father saying this is my son in whom i am well pleased so it's an affirmation of here's jesus he's coming into the water he's literally baptized and he is there to fulfill all righteousness and baptism represents the washing it is the purification so john is saying this he's saying this is he who came by the water this is he who came to purify now many of us get the idea of that he came to purify us and yet we know that we have impure thoughts and yet we know that we have sinful tendencies That are consistently coming to us and trying to awaken us to this this reality that says, like, you should desire this. Go sleep with that person because they're attractive. Do this, do that. And so we see this idea of, of Jesus and we say, he came to purify and yet I am not pure. And so we begin to see in ourselves this lack of purity in ourselves. And in fact, I think it's, it's quite possible that there was, in fact, I think it's, it's act, this actually took place, and that is that there was a heresy that's communicating that Jesus was just a man, He was just a man, never mind about the thing about the crucifixion, he ascended prior to the crucifixion, he didn't really bleed, he didn't really die, he didn't really do all those things. The the thing about Jesus is that Jesus gives us a great example and we should follow it, but all that stuff about the blood and everything like that, don't worry about that. And so what John communicates here is he says, it's not just that he is purification, that he came to purify, but he also came to justify. So many of us get the idea of purification, but we don't get the idea of justification. And I'll show you that here in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, a verse that many of us who've been in the church for a long time, which says this. It says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God got that. I'm a sinner. I fall short of the glory of God. I don't have a hope. I don't have any way to satisfy God. I'm, I'm a sinner I'm, and, and I'm falling short of the glory of God and I, and I have no hope and, that's, and, and, it's, and it's awful and it's terrible. But we don't know the second verse after this and the third one. And it says this, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified. By his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. Do you, do you see what that just said? It might have been confusing for you. It says that we're justified, that this is from his grace. It's, it's God's gracious will to give us justification. Justification is a big word that means to be declared righteous. Ultimately, it means forgiveness. It means it's not just that, that um, uh, I receive purification from Jesus, but I receive justification. See, we think he's purified me and, and I get that, but I just don't know that he can forgive me for the things that I keep doing. I keep screwing up, I keep sinning, I keep doing these things. And we don't get that we need the justification, we need the grace that, uh, that comes to us as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And look at this, whom God put forward as a propitiation, that's the appeasement of wrath, that we deserve by his blood. So look back at the passage here. He says, this is he who came by water and blood Jesus Christ, not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. Now, how many of us are watered-down Christians? And watered-down Christians are people who believe that it depends on them. Because all they're hearing is that Jesus came to make them pure. People misunderstand the gospel all the time. They misunderstand the idea of, you know, I would go to church, but I just don't believe that that I'm there yet. I've got to clean a few things up. I've got to make a few things right. And what you're missing is you're missing the blood of Jesus. You've got the water of Jesus, the baptismal waters of Jesus. As a witness, but you do not have the blood as the witness that you need to hear. And you are on the jury, and John is the lawyer who's questioning the witnesses. And he's saying, Water, were you there when Jesus was attested to by God Himself? saying that this is my beloved son, that he is God. Were you, were you there when, you expi- when, that, when that happened? And the water is saying, yes, I was there. I was a part of it. I saw it. And then he moves to the next witness, and we're sitting on the jury just going, yeah, that was amazing. That's, that's, that's real evidence that he was there, and that's what he was a part of. And so he comes to bring purification, and then John moves to the blood, and he says, blood, were you there? Did you see that? Did you see the Savior die? And the blood says, yes, I saw the Savior die. And so he's showing them this, and we're on the jury, and now we have to make a decision. Like, where do we, where do we stand? Where do we, where do we lie in this? And so he says, and the Spirit is the one who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. Now what's the Spirit witnessing to? What's the Spirit testifying to? Well, who is the Spirit, first of all? The Spirit is the Spirit of God. The Spirit is the, is the Spirit of God. In fact, it says in Romans eight, sixteen and 17, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with Him. So the Spirit is connected to us. It says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, having believed, you are marked in Him with the Spirit, the promised, uh, you are marked in Him with the promised Holy Spirit. What happens is this, is that in order for you to receive the testimony of the water and the blood, you must first have received the Spirit. That the Spirit is the one who bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, that we have received not just the water, but the blood, not just the purification, but the justification. Look at John 15, 26. But when the Helper, another word for the Spirit, comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. Now, what is that saying? It's saying this, that the Holy Spirit is given to you, not just so that you have an incredible worship experience. It's not just that. It's not so that you get warm fuzzies all the time so that you can do uh, uh, incredible works and wonders. The Spirit helps with those things, but that's not the primary thing that the Spirit does. What does the Spirit do? The Spirit comes from God, and He is a revealer. And He is, what is He revealing to you? He is bearing witness about Jesus Christ. The Spirit is in your life, not primarily for a great worship experience, not primarily for signs and wonders, not primarily for anything that you can come up with, but primarily so that He can bear witness about Jesus in your life. See, here's the thing many of us are looking for an experience, and we're not looking for the evidence. We want an experience and we set aside the evidence, but the experience of God is based upon the evidence of God. It's the difference between believing in God and believing God. You can believe in God all day long and that will not save you. My friend, you are going to hell if you just believe in God. But if you believe God, if you believe what God says, if you hear the spirit of truth. Now think about this, this spirit doesn't just communicate truth, the spirit is truth. Remember what we talked about a couple weeks ago, that it's not just that God is loving, it's that God is love. God is love, he exudes love, everything that he does is loving, even his wrath is loving. This Spirit is truth. It's not just that he's truthful, he is truth. So when you have the Spirit of God, you have the truth of God residing in you, and you go from believing in God to believing God. Look at what he says next. For there are three witnesses that testify, the Spirit and the water and the blood, and these three agree. Think about this. What witnesses are we not looking to what are we not looking to we're not looking to our feelings one of the witnesses of your faith ladies and gentlemen is not your feelings it is not how you feel that causes you to be a Christian I remember going on a mission trip, and in the uh, preparation for that mission trip, we went to a, a, a camp, and we, we, it was like a boot camp, and we, we talked about all kinds of things. But one of they said is this, is that if, if you are resting your faith on your feelings, you are going backwards and downhill. If the summation of your faith, if the way that you feel about God, whether you believe in God is based on your feelings, you're not believing God, you're believing in God but you're going backwards and downhill one of the witnesses to our faith is not our feelings one of the witnesses to our faith is not our friends one of the witnesses to our faith is not the fact that we still struggle with sin John says earlier in the book as we've repeated over and over again if anyone claims to be without sin He's a liar and the truth is not in him. John is recognizing the reality of the fact that all of us need purification even right here and right now. All of us should be appalled at some point or another about the, the, the thoughts and the feelings, whether we act upon them or not, that come to us as temptations. Every single one of us, myself included where we're fighting a battle, and we're becoming overcomers little by little as we're progressively sanctified in Jesus Christ. And as we hear those thoughts and we hear those feelings, and instead of believing them like the world that says, you are your feelings, you are the summation of how you feel, and you should act on those things. And we have a world that's being torn apart politically, religiously, and Relationally, in every way possible, because there are so many people who are being led by their feelings. We're becoming overcomers. Our feelings, our friends, our actions, our what else is there? None of these things are witnesses to the reality of believing God. Spurgeon said this, He said, many go to heaven with very little comfort on the road. I do not commend them for their want or their lack of comfort, but I do advise you, instead of looking to singular experiences as a ground of confidence, look to the bleeding Savior and rest alone in Him, for if you have Him, you have eternal life. What's that saying? If you're looking to your feelings and saying, I don't feel like a Christian. What's John saying? It was never about your feelings. It was never about your ability to remain pure. It was never about any of those things. Your relationship with God did not begin because you decided to be pure. Because the reality is is that if you and I are honest that I oftentimes don't even want the level of purity that God has for me. Now, I want it in my heart of hearts. But the truth is that on the surface, if you look at Matt Porter, if you look at who I am, that I am a human man. This flesh is trying to overcome me, and I must overcome it. And I do that not with my feelings. I do that with the blood of Jesus. He says instead of looking to singular experiences, instead of looking to some camp high, or some mission trip high, or to one service that you went to, or some sense that you got in a worship service, or some some time when this took place or that took place, instead of looking to those things, you must only witness the testimony of the blood of Jesus Christ. The purification shines a light On our inability to keep the laws of God and the blood shines an incredible light on what God has done in order to justify our inability to keep his rules he says in verse 9 if we receive the testimony of men the testimony of God is greater For this is the testimony of God, that he is born concerning his son. Think about this for a second. All day long, we receive the testimony of men. People tell us things that are true or untrue or what have you, but we receive it. We receive the testimony of men. But then somehow, when we're coming to God... Somehow when we're, when we're coming to, to him, like we don't believe him. Like this doubt, this lack of confidence, this sense of that I'm not loved, all of these things are impending upon me and I am and I'm ripped apart by it. And he's saying this, like if we receive the testimony of men, you're receiving your own testimony most of the time. I don't feel saved. I don't feel like I'm walking with God. You're receiving your own testimony. And what this is saying is that if God is not only just real, but I must believe Him, like if He's God, then He's the only one that should be believed above everything. He's the one that I should be believing. He's the one that I should be understanding His testimony about who He is by the power of the Spirit. He says, whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. What's that saying? If you believe, God's already put. God has already seared this belief. God has already seared in you the ability to believe who he is. Now, I think there's many of us in here that have been given the power of the Spirit, and yet we do not act on that. We're not believing the testimony. We've been caught up up by the flesh, by the world, by the devil who is bringing doubts into our, our life. He's saying he has the testimony himself. If you believe in the Son of God, you have the testimony in yourself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his Son. Now... John is saying, there's two kinds of people in this world. There are two kinds of people in this world. There are people who say that God is a truth teller, and there are people who say that God is a liar. And it all comes down to believing the biblical witnesses, the water, the blood, by the power of the Spirit. It comes down to those things. And we talk about how somebody said that they believe in God or that they, or that, you know, they talk to God or, or something like that. We talked about this a few weeks ago. Celebrities oftentimes say these things and we're so happy because we really like their movies or we like their music or, and, or they said, I wanna you know, thank my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ without ever really knowing or understanding really what is the basis or the foundation of these people's uh, you know, so-called faith. What is the basis of that? And so it's not about just saying, like, I believe that there's a God. Or I believe that Jesus was a real person. Or, that it, or all of these uh, kinds of things. Like, those are true statements, and that's good. But if you do not believe the water, the blood, and the spirit, you are calling God a liar. It is black and white. There's no gray area. Either you are with God or you are not with God. Either you will experience eternal life with him and you will live with that life right here and right now, experiencing life as an overcomer, or you are living and resting in death. It is black and white. There is no in-between. Do you have relationship with God or do you call God a liar? It is one or the other. Either you are in or you are out. John makes it very, very clear. Either he is telling the truth or you're calling God a liar. It says in verse 11, and this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Put it another way. This is the testimony that God gave us eternal life, and this life is not in my feelings. And this life is not in my friends. And this life is not in my church attendance. And this life is not in my desire to do good. And this life is not in how much reading I do or how many podcasts I listen to or any of those things. This life is not found in the pursuit of money, sex, and power. This life is not found in anything that this world provides. This life is found only in the Son of God, Jesus Christ. And if you do not have him, you do not have life. You know what the world tells you? Life will be found in a new marriage. All I need to do is get a new wife or a new husband and everything will be fine. Life, uh, this world will tell you that life is to be found in my financial success or a new job. Life will be found in the, the right degree that I get or whether I find a spouse in college. Life will be found in anything but in God. Do you see how amazingly tempting these things are. Do you see how the prosperity gospel can be tempting? Because it pairs a lie with the truth. It says, if you will be blessed, you'll get lots of money. You'll have everything that you want. Bad things won't happen to you if you just do what's right, which may be giving money to our cause or to our things. It mixes the lie with the truth, and so therefore it is a lie. Life is not found in these things. Do you know why you sit in unbelief? Because you believe that life is found in something other than Jesus Christ. You believe that life is found in in some other place. Where we must be is that the foundational element of our life must be rooted in that life is found in Jesus Christ. And what what we must be convinced of and be going on being convinced of is that I'm continually fulfilled, I continually experience life in Jesus Christ. It's not because at one point in my life I made this decision, or I walked an aisle, or I prayed a prayer, or I whatever it was that happened in your life. It's not just this one thing in your life, it is that I go on believing. Not because I'm going to lose my salvation, because as we sang earlier, He will hold me fast. I'm not holding me fast, He's holding me fast. We go on believing, we keep continually applying the gospel over and over and over again. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. Do you have the Son of God? Or are you living in death? You must see the Son of God. You must believe God what he says about the Son of God. It is not, it is not that your feelings tell you that you are saved. You cannot rest on that. My friend, that is death. That is what the world wants. That is what your flesh wants. That is what the devil wants. It is not about your feelings. It is not about your friends. It is about believing God. Please, do not just believe in God. Please believe God and what he says about himself. So what do we do? The thoughts race in our minds. Oops, I did it again, right? Don't think about that song. <laughs> Play it with your heart, you know, however else it goes. But. Is it, that's, that's the story. That's the story, isn't, isn't it, of believers? And the story of believers so many times, and people that, that feel like they're coming to faith, but yet they just keep screwing things up. They keep screwing, screwing life up. And it's, it's just over and over and over again. And you know what you're resting in? You're resting in the death you're not resting in life. It's, it, the focus is all on your ability to be pure. Now, we need to get to the idea of purity, but purity does not come as a result of beating ourselves up. Purity will never enter into your life as long as you are believing that you're the one that creates it in your life. Purity will not happen until you see that Jesus came and that he was more than a man. He was man but he was the son of God. He was attested to by the Father saying this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And he had the spirit of God. And he's baptized and so he's pure. He's completely pure. And so when I get Jesus, I get his purity. When God looks at me, He doesn't see just Matt Porter in all of the crap that he's done in his life. He sees the purity of Christ. It's the imputed righteousness of Christ. It's Jesus giving me all of his righteousness and he taking all of my sin. It's called the great exchange. What must you think about? I did it again. But it's not on me. It's by the water and the blood. And so what must we say to ourselves? Lord Jesus, I know that I'm in this place again. I know that I lack confidence because I continually engage in this sin. But I believe this, that you came not just in the water, which was incredible, and you gave me your righteousness, and so I have your righteousness. But not only that, but you've forgiven me past, present, and future through your blood, through the justification, through the forgiveness that comes through that. And even more so than that, I have the power of your spirit resting in my life that is bringing about this great sense of love for God. My friend, do you have that? If you do not, you do not have life. You may think that you're getting life through your aspirations, through the things that you want to do, through the engagement in that sin. And I want to tell you that Jesus went to the cross for that sin, and He died for your purification. And He can impart to you the power of the Spirit to believe that. Do you believe it, or are you going to call God a liar? Do you believe in God, or are you going to believe God? Make a decision. Don't just sit there, don't just hear the words, make a decision, eternal life is at stake here. Eternal life, don't just hear another sermon, it's eternal life, it's the truth. Are you going to experience eternal life or are you going to experience eternal death? Receive Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit and believe him. Stop believing the world and what they say about how much money you can make and how much sex you can have. Stop believing the world and walking in pride as someone who calls yourself a Christian who's really not. See, there's people who, who act like they're Christians, but inside they're just prideful, arrogant jerks. And they think they have it together, but they, they believe in God merely and they do not believe God. Is that you? You've got the water and the blood and the spirit, and they are testifying to the truth of God. Do you believe it or don't you? You can receive Jesus Christ right now. It begins with confession. Confessing, I am not pure like Jesus is pure. In no way am I pure. I am not holy. I have sinned against God. I have walked away from him. It moves to repentance, to say the same thing about your sin, to say that this is wrong. It's not just a small mistake. It's not just a white lie. It's not just a, li- it's not just a little bit. It is the thing that's sending you to hell. It's the thing that will condemn you forever. Repent. Say the same thing. Walk away. And faith Confession, repentance, and faith. What is faith? It is believing God. Do you believe God? You can right now. Would you bow your heads with me? Lord Jesus, may you sear into our minds that many of us have listened to an inner voice that is not you. We've listened to our flesh that's either condemning us or it's making us prideful and thinking that we are as holy as God in and of ourselves. Lord, some of us walked in here As unbelievers, may we walk out as believers. May we believe you. Lord God, may you cause our belief to be so amazing that we walk in life, that we walk around as as loved children of God, that we act with the confidence that you have given us in you, not in ourselves, not in our ability to keep the rules, but Lord, in you, that you have truly saved us by grace.